good morning, Christ Community Church family. Because that's who we are. We're family. Good to see a lot of familiar faces here. And uh, it does feel like a familiar home. I want to thank Rick. I guess he's gone now. But thank him for inviting me. This is Promotion Sunday. And I'm here to announce that I haven't graduated yet. But I'm looking forward to the next graduation. Uh, when I teach pastors and church leaders in other countries, we usually declare our faith together. It's sort of a way of reminding us of not just who we are, but whose we are. And so I'd like to ask if you would uh, join me in repeating after me this affirmation of faith. This, is not, this doesn't go back to Calvin or Luther. It goes back to an old pastor who used to be here. I'm a child of God. God is my Father. Christ is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my Comforter. And every child of God is family. And heaven is my home. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'd like to ask a question to begin. The question is actually more profound than it might sound like. But here's the question. What is the greatest discovery for a Jesus follower? What's the greatest discovery you can make? And I'll give you my answer. Is to realize that God is our eternal father. Why do I say that? Because what we believe to be true about God determines how we relate to him, how we view ourselves, and even as how we pray. <clears throat> For example, intimacy with God comes when we're convinced of his paternal love, that it is unconditional, that his grace is infinite, and his purposes are good. Those are things we must realize about being a child of God. J.I. Packer made a profound observation. Let me read it to you. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, he said, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. We need to make much of that thought of being a child of God. 
Because making much about God as our Father gives us confidence. Confidence that he has always loved us, always. That he desires to hear our prayers today and has purposes for our tomorrows. Therefore, we have what I have entitled a filial relationship with God. Now, what do I mean by filial? It means to belong, to belong to a family, to an eternal family. We entered this family by a God-initiated adoption that was determined long ago, and the Bible says, even before the foundation of the world. He had you in mind. He had me in mind. Every child of God was foreknown to him. And our sonship, it gives us certain birthrights and responsibilities that go along with being one of his children. So as his children, we enjoy something. It's this filial communication with God the Father. And that is what we call prayer. Prayer is filial communication between us and our Father. And when we pray, we are free to speak personally, intimately, and sincerely with God. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 describes this privilege this way. And uh, I can't, uh, how would I say, read this as the Apostle John would, but this is an attempt because he's excited about what he's going to read. He wants us to hear this. So let me just try to read what he said to us. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then John exclaims with real excitement because that's what we are. It's his voice. It's awesome. And then he addresses us. He said, dear friends, now, not just later, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been fully known. How great this is, we are yet to experience the fullness of what all that means. But I can assure you, that glorious day awaits us. That's true graduation. Prayer, therefore, is this intimate filial communication between God and his children. And we're invited by the Lord to openly express all of our thoughts, our feelings, our fears, our sins, and our burdens. This may surprise us. Not only does he ask us to do this because we need it, 
But if I read the scripture, he does it because he enjoys filial communication with us. Think of that. He loves to hear our prayers. I tell you, God has to be omnipotent and all wise to hear my prayers. I have uh, my prayers sound like uh, ADD. Oh, Lord, please, I need to do. Oh, and by the way, I wonder what's going to do today. Oh, and then I'm back again. Do you ever find yourself doing that? And I say, how would he ever want to hear some of my prayers? It's because he already knows what I need, already knows what I'm going to ask. And he just sort of patiently says, well, go on. (laughs) I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. You are, but I'm not. So let me hear it. I don't know that I have, and I'm not sure very many of us could ever understand the magnitude, the glory, the privilege to be loved by God like a father. So what is prayer? Filial communication. But prayer is God's ordained or determined plan for us to take part, to share in his eternal purposes and receive what he has promised us in his word. In other words, he determined that when you became a child that we would communicate together with him and then he would say, and that's how I will carry out my kingdom work is through your prayers. Did you realize What a privilege that is to think that you are a part of a a cosmic plan in our prayer. It's, It's quite amazing, and I'm not sure I do justice to just how incredible this privilege is. Now, prayer is not a go to method to try to bend the will of a reluctant father. You don't have to do that. Rather, prayer is privileged, intimate family communication with God. So, with these words of introduction, please uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Our text for this morning. As we see Jesus invite his disciples into the school of prayer. Uh, There is an outline in your worship folder. If that would help you to follow along, I encourage you to do that. Now, Luke informs us at the beginning here that on one occasion, on this occasion, Jesus was praying. As we read the Gospels about the life of Jesus, we realize that prayer was his lifeline to his heavenly father and it's to be ours as well. He prayed that his father's will would be done in and through his life as we are to pray. And in his incarnate state, Jesus became fully man, perfect man, 
and yet he remained God, perfect God. Therefore, in his being still a man, he temporarily, says Paul, relinquished certain divine capacities for the time here. So why do we say that? Is because then you can see how prayer fits into his life. Because he was fully man and yet fully God, he had to depend upon his Father and the Holy Spirit to complete his work here, to find wisdom and power by means of the Spirit, just like we do. For example, that's how Jesus prayed in the shadows of Gethsemane. Abba, Father, all things, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. He's talking about the, the cup of God's wrath that would be soon poured upon him. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Now, God's will is not always contrary to our will, but his will calls us to submit to his will so that his will becomes our compelling life desire. Luke 11.1 tells us more about that day. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John, and he's referring to John the Baptist, taught his disciples. Now, Jesus prayed wherever he went, especially, we noticed, when he's with the disciples. And on this occasion... He withdrew from the crowd so that he could be with his disciples to pray. Now, sometimes he prayed alone, and other times even before a multitude. He prayed everywhere he went, like by the sea, on a boat, in the wilderness, standing before tombs, and on the cross. He also prayed before every major event in his life. Like when he selected his disciples, he fed the multitudes, preached to the crowds in Galilee, cast out demons, walked on a stormy sea, raised Lazarus from the grave, and he prayed on the night in which he was betrayed. Now in this special place is where the disciples said, Lord, could you teach us how to pray? Like John did that for his disciples. Could you teach us that? You see, they knew. They'd been around him now for a considerable amount of time. And they knew that prayer was Jesus' lifeline to his father. And they also knew it had to become theirs if they were going to live out their calling. And Jesus invited the disciples into what I'm going to call the school of prayer. Why? Why would he do that? Why that's so important for a disciple? 
Andrew Murray said this, why? To train them to be intercessors for the great work of bringing down by their faith and prayer the blessings of God's work and love on the world around them. And that's to be our purpose. To pray God will bring down his blessed works, power, blessings upon us so we can bless others. We can bless others by serving and loving them. Jesus taught his disciples the essentials of prayer in verses 2 through 4. Let me read this. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, you've probably already realized as I read this, this is a condensed version of Jesus' prayer that we're most familiar with in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matter of fact, this could have been on another occasion that uh, he taught it this way. But the point is that Luke is recording this because he wants us to learn some important truths or essentials about faith, how to pray. But he's also mentioning the Lord's Prayer here because he has a parable from our Lord that he wants to explain about the Lord's Prayer. So we have the prayer, then we will have a parable of contrast. Jesus was a master teacher. And Luke is pulling the two together. The prayer and the parable. We'll hope to do that. Now, in this prayer, he said we are to pray, Father. Now, in Matthew's account, we're used to saying, Our Father. And Matthew says to pray, Our Father, because Jesus' Father is now our Father. And any imperfections that our earthly fathers may have had, rejection, not around, whatever it might be, you'll never find that in our Heavenly Father because He's infinitely holy, infinitely good, and his love is perfect towards us, always. Think of the other parable. You remember the parables of the, the lost uh, for Rick? Remember he says we're a Trinity church, we go to the three. Well, in like, I think it was the third parable, uh, Jesus taught about, remember that rebellious son who took off to the far country and squandered all of his inheritance and found himself in a pig pen going, how in the world did I get here? He said, I, I, I'd rather be back home. I'm just in the yard, in the backyard, mowing lawns or whatever. That's far better than this. So you remember the story? He 
works his way back home. But the part of the story that just intrigues me so much, Jesus wanted us to know that we are loved by his father. You know that for sure. Remember that parable? What happened? The son starts walking back home and he gets down the long driveway, I guess. And it says, and the father saw him. He didn't stay there and say, I can't wait till that son gets home and I'm going to nail him. I'm going to school him. I'm going to tell him he doesn't deserve to come back home. He took all his all the wealth. And what does Jesus say the father did? He ran to his son down the driveway and grabbed him and kissed him. That's the love of our father. That's how he treats us. That's how committed he is to us. Now, our father's love was so great that he not only sent his son into the world to die, to die in our place, but Isaiah 53, 4 says that the father even crushed and afflicted his own son on the cross for us, his children, undeserving, rebellious. And that's the kind of love our father has for us. And how do we become children of God, by the way? Well, John 1, 12 through 13 tells us, Everything that John says here basically is in the past tense, something that's been completed. He says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It is God who brought about this new birth in us, into his family. We were born into his forever family by a sovereign work of his grace. Jesus often called his father Abba because it was the most intimate, personal way to express his deep affection, confidence, and trust in his father. It's similar to a young child who calls out to his father, Dad, Daddy, Pops, Poppy, whatever. Maybe you have some memories like this. I remember when my daughter's... Uh, were very young. They'd cry out in the night uh, if they were afraid, had a bad dream, or were sick. And you could hear them, Dad? Dad? Dad! And you knew that was a cry for help. And when I awoke from my sleep, I nudged my wife. And she rolled over and she says, 
They want you. She made that very clear. Then she rolled over and went back to sleep. And I sauntered down the hall, wondering what package, what, <laughs> what I would be dealing with when I got into their room. And so whenever we are in need of anything, we're invited to call upon Dad, Father, Abba. And you say, you know, are we really supposed to be that intimate with God? Paul says so in Galatians uh, 4, 6 through 7. He says you can call God Abba because you are sons. You are daughters. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And I'm going to add a daughter. And if a son or daughter, then you're an heir through God. Wow, think of that. Calling God Father or Abba takes our prayer life to a whole new level of intimacy. And knowing that we are God's children not only helps us persevere through trials, but also to see ourselves with unimaginable privilege that not even, if I read it correctly, privilege that maybe not even the angels enjoy. Us? Yeah, you, me. See, we don't realize really whose we are as much as we should. And because we are his beloved children, we're always welcomed into his presence. Always. Little digression here. I have a lasting memory of my father that really has helped me understand the privilege of prayer. One day I stopped by my dad's place of work unannounced. And I went there to briefly talk with him about an upcoming family event. It wasn't a huge thing. Just, you know, talk it over. At the time, he was the president of uh, the board of directors of six Orange County banks. I asked his receptionist, uh, if Ray Smith is in, could I please speak with him? And she politely says, uh, no, he's in an important uh, board meeting and can't be interrupted. And I said, oh, okay. I, I just, uh, just leave a, a message that his son stopped by to see him. And the receptionist said, oh, no, 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 wait here. Just, just a minute. She says, he's told me before to interrupt him at any time. for a phone call or a visit from his family. And my response was, oh, no, 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 <laughs> it's not that important, I, you know, just, just, she said, no. And she went to the door of the boardroom, the door opened, and the next thing I knew was standing in the doorway and I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> 
here in this boardroom of all these uh, high-level businessmen and leaders. I look there, and uh, my dad immediately stood up at the head of the tables. He said, uh, gentlemen, this is my son, Don. He's a pastor, and I'm really proud of him. I, I kind of like melted. it. Matter of fact, it's hard for me to even tell you the story. To think that someone would love me like that. And he did. And that's why I begin to imagine what it might be like when we come to our Father in heaven. How are we received? You know, my dad's example of warmly welcoming me into his office and telling me how much I meant to him, it, it began to change the way I imagined coming to my heavenly father. Um, before he was later hospitalized, he used to call me every week. You can count on it. And I'd pick up the phone, and it would sound like it's, it's just as if it was a recording. It wasn't. Hey, Johnny, how you doing? I just called to say I love you. I miss that phone call. And I realize now how blessed I was to have a dad who not only loved me, but he told me so. And my friends, I'm here this morning to say that our Father in heaven has also told you that he loves you. Now, when we enter into the presence of our Heavenly Father, how does he see us? He sees us as he sees his own Son. Intimate love between the Son and the Father. Filial love. And this is amazing. When he sees us, he sees us as his son because we are in Christ. This is how I think he is, what he said to his son, I believe is what he says to us. At the boardroom, <laughs> heavenly boardroom. You are my son or my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. To think that's when you just pray for your meal. Pray for this. The Father's saying, oh, I'm well pleased with you. What is it you have? He knows, but he gives us a, a chance to answer. And I must admit this to you. I still need a father. I miss my dad. But I can say this, God the Father is filling that place in my life. We are to pray, as he said, with reverence to our Heavenly Father. I mean, even though we have this intimate filial relationship, he still is to be approached with reverential awe. We are to pray that his kingdom come and his will be done 
That means we are to learn to be kingdom-minded. More about what concerns him than just what concerns our little domain. You only have to travel around the world today and you can see what concerns God. What concerns him here, what concerns him in the places that we go. Because I know you know this, that he's at work. He has a people around the world, sons and daughters. We have a family you've never seen, but you will. I have so many beloved brothers and sisters in China, in the Philippines, which I hope to go to again in another month, to Haiti, to the jungle of Peru, and then Ethiopia. Those are the places I've gone. And I can tell you God is concerned about them as he's concerned about us. And learning to pray for the kingdom is sharing in God's work. Sharing in what concerns him. Now I'm going to give you two essentials from my perspective. They're really short, but here they are. Two essentials in your prayer life. First, prayer has no power if it isn't for the purpose of seeking to fulfill God's will. All right? Secondly, and if what we pray for can't be done for God's glory, then don't ask. I'll repeat it one more time. Now, there are many other things, but these are two that just need to come out. First, prayer has no power if it isn't for the purpose of seeking to fulfill God's will. God's will be even in the most intimate small things in our life. And if we pray for what can't be done for God's glory, then don't ask for it. Jesus urged us to pray for our daily necessities, like give us each our daily bread. He, for six days a week for 40 years, <laughs> rained down manna from heaven, if he could do that, he can provide what is needed daily. Like if it's wheat bread or gluten-free bread, he can give you that in a day easily. Because he cares. He cares about even a slice of bread. And then he, we are to pray that he will enable us to forgive others as he has forgiven us. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and do what? And cleanse us from what? A little small word, what is it? All, thank you. All, think of that. Past, present, future. Doesn't seem significant. It is significant. Never thought I could be forgiven. All. And you know this. We're not under probation we're not under condemnation, but we are under grace and love. Therefore, nothing can ever separate us from the love of our Father. Here again is an affirmation I can say. Nothing, nothing 
can separate us from his love. We also pray that he will lead us away from temptation. Now, God may test our faith to reveal our true weakness and prove his strength, but he never tempts us to sin. James clarified that. He said, let no one say when he's tempted that I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted himself with evil, and he uh, himself tempts no one. And the Lord will give us a way of escape from temptation if we want it and we pray for it. In Matthew's account of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus also said we are to pray the Father will deliver us from evil. Let me just briefly give you an example of how I have watched this happen in my life since I left the church and got the opportunity to go to the world. During my uh, ministry in China, I was pursued several times, and I will not give you all those instances. I was pursued by the police for teaching pastors the Bible. And one time while I was teaching, someone entered the back of the classroom. It was a pastor. And he came shouting and said, get Pastor Don out of here now. They're coming for him. Now that was in Mandarin, and I'm kind of thinking, he's really excited. And the guy next to me said, you're out of here. And he grabbed me and my stuff, and we went out the back door as fast. And as soon as we went out the door, that police, that bureau, uh, representative, religious bureau came in the door, the back door. And as I was told, he came in waving a copy of my passport. And he kept saying, where is Don Smith? I know he's here. I want to talk with him. And if I don't know where he is, I'll be coming back unannounced. Where is he? And uh, the pastors honestly said, we don't know. And they didn't. They didn't know where I was riding in the back seat of a car throughout the city. We got a phone call after some time of just going here, there, and everywhere that the coast was clear. Believe it or not, we went back. And uh, some said it wasn't wise, but I did, and I'm glad I did. I stayed and taught for two more days. It was some of the two best days I've ever had preaching and teaching. Why? Because they knew I was one of them. Because in their mind, we deal with this all the time. So staying meant you care, and I did. So later... My friends wanted to get me on to my next place. So they went and bought for me a, a bus ticket. Because they were fearful that uh, the ticket agent or security would be on alert because of my passport and they would detain me. So they get me to the bus depot with my ticket. 
they opened the door and they couldn't go in and there I was in a bus depot. And it was packed with a mass of humanity. And I kind of went, stood between everybody and I looked around and nothing looked familiar because I didn't speak or read Mandarin. I looked at my ticket and I had no clue where my gate was. I didn't know what to do. So when you don't know what to do, what do you do? Help. (laughs) And I prayed to the Lord. My prayer was uh, pretty simple. Lord, I believe that I'm here by your will. Please show me what gate to go through and what bus to take amongst all of the different buses. And then when I, if I get on a bus, how will I know when to get off? You know, this, you may think that missionaries kill fudge on their stories. I'm not fudging at all. As I had just completed that, and I'm packed in like this, I felt a tap, and I think it was on my left shoulder. And I thought, oh, no, the police have come. And I turned around, and there was a Chinese university student. And she looked up at me and says, do you speak English? I do. I said, oh, yes. Do I speak English? And so she said, well, can I help you? And I said, absolutely. I told her my dilemma, and she said, can I see your ticket? I said, well, here it is. And she started laughing. I go, what, what's the deal? She said, I'm going on the same bus with you. I said, great, can you get me to the bus? <laughs> she said, sure, follow me. So I followed her through this mass humanity, and then I thought, oh, no, I've got to go through security. And they check your luggage, they check your suitcases and your, everything you're taking. I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I got up there. I saw they were checking other people to go through. I kid you not, I walked up there like this with my passport kind of thinking, this is going to maybe be it. And he said, just go through. He didn't say it, but just go through. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> and I got there. We sat on the bus, and she arranged so she could sit next to me. She said, don't worry, I got you. Uh, I'll tell you where to get off when we get there. It's a long distance away, and it was a huge city, Nanchung. So uh, we rode. Finally, we got to Nanchung, and then we went, stop, stop, stop. And I was kind of like, now? No, I'll tell you. We got to uh, a corner, and she said, this is where you get off here. And she said, and that's the man who's looking for you. <laughs> I go, uh, okay, I got to get off. So I went and got my luggage down outside. I turned around to thank her. She was gone. I think it was a university student. I just wanted to say thanks. And then I re- remembered and l- lead us not a temptation, but what? 
deliver us from evil. My friends, I don't tell you that story because it's about me. I'm telling you it's a story about what God does. When you're about his will. When you want to do what he asks you to do. Because he cares. He loves you. He'll provide what is needed. Now, I'm going to tell you the parable very quickly. The parable is sort of the setup. Jesus wanted us to try to try to destroy any misconceptions about what it's like to pray. And the misconception is many times we believe God is like a reluctant father. Like you have to awake him. Like you have to keep pounding on the door till he gets up, gives up on you and says, hey, you know, finally I'll just give it to you. That's kind of what the parable says. And then Jesus interprets that parable for us. It's a wonderful, if you would, sort of his conclusion to all of this. He says, and I will tell you, you ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. Our father never sleeps or slumbers. His heaven's doors are always open. Our father isn't a reluctant friend, but our loving father. He doesn't consider us as pesky, begging orphans, but his beloved children. And our Father always answers our prayers in his way, his time, and according to his will. Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes it's no, and when you get a no, we have to learn to say there's probably a good reason for the no. And sometimes it's wait, it's wait because he's testing our faith in his good providence and also because he's looking at long-term solutions, not immediate cries for help. Our father isn't persuaded by our persistence. What is he pers persuaded by? Our faith. Humbly coming before him. And then Jesus made this final promise. There are very few, if you would, unconditional promises. This is one that follows that parable of the reluctant friend. And that is that our Father has promised he will give us, always give us, the Holy Spirit when we pray. He said, and he concludes, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Our salvation by sovereign grace outside of that great gift 
that Christ paid our debt on Calvary, the greatest gift God has given to us is the Holy Spirit. He consoles, he convicts, he completes, he guarantees, he empowers, and he helps us to pray. So I just hope maybe something that is said today that would uh, remind you just how much you're loved. You're loved by your Father. I hope somehow that will encourage you and give you confidence when you pray today. Now, for those who call God their Father, would you please join me in our concluding prayer? To pray as Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6. Let's pray together. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.